right, welcome Starting, to scaling, and exiting a business is hard. Figures, so why do some sure, companies achieve seven, eight, and nine-figure exits? To answer these questions, we sit down with top entrepreneurs who have exited for more than $10 million or currently run $10 million-plus businesses and grill them until they share their proven tactics and strategies. Welcome to Beyond Eight Figures. And we get their insight as far as the strategies and tactics and shortcuts that they leverage to get to where they are. And I got to tell you, folks, I'm uh, really honored and uh, and excited for so many of you to be sharing how much you are loving on the show. So thank you for the ratings and the reviews and the subscriptions. Uh, I think we're up to 50-something on Stitcher as far as written reviews is concerned. And uh, I think we're at like 130-something-odd something-something there on uh, You got to do some shout-outs. I know. I got I to gotta bring it up here. I got to get my Wi-Fi connection working, and we'll, uh, we'll definitely acknowledge. Uh, so thanks for, for your support, folks. We really do appreciate it. And, uh, and so many of you are uh, letting us know also uh, by sending feedback to feedback at beyond8figures.com, just what you're enjoying about the show and some of the guests that you'd like to see uh, come on. So if you do have a guest who uh, has either someone that you know that has either exited for more than $10 million or currently runs a $10 million plus business and you want to see him here on Beyond Eight Figures and have us sit down with them and get to the bottom of how they got to where they are, uh, then feel free to submit that to feedback at beyond8figures.com and we'll do our best to get them on as well. Well, uh, I got to tell you, you know, week after week, I feel like I'm just um, kind of saying the, the same thing here over and over again. But I am super excited uh, to sit down with today's guest because yeah, there's some folks out there who, uh, who who seem to get this this whole world of online marketing right. And a whole bunch of folks who seem to get this whole world of online marketing wrong. Uh, and it's just really a, a pleasure when you get to pick the brain of somebody who really understands how to crush it online. Uh, and what Sabri Subi has been able to do here with King Kong is nothing short of amazing. So, Wade, let's uh, let's not waste any more time here, man. Let's uh, let's bring Sabri on and let's talk about King Kong and everything that you're up to in the world. So what's going on, my brother? How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, really, really excited to have you on uh, one of the things that I like to get out of the way right out uh, of the gate here is just how do you meet the criteria for joining us on Beyond Eight Figures? Do you so it, does King Kong? Do you guys currently gross more than ten million annually, or did you have an exit for more than ten million? No, we currently gross more. You do okay, and so for the either the trailing twelve or the future twelve, do you got a sense of where you'll be revenue wise? Um, where we, our target is to, to be sh- just shy of 13 million. 13 million. That's awesome. And give folks an understanding then of what is it that you do. I mean, you work with so many of the biggest brands uh, in the world, but I, I just want to get a better understanding of uh, what is it that, it, that King Kong actually does. In your words. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So we're an end-to-end digital marketing agency, and we basically help our clients grow their revenue by increasing their traffic leads and sales. So whether that's you know anything from building a high-converting landing page to running Facebook ads or building out a sales funnel or a webinar for them, it's essentially all about you know getting traffic to some kind of asset online and then helping that traffic convert into actual sales and leads for our clients. Mm-hmm. And so give us, a, give us an example of a company that you work with and, and what you've been able to help them do? 
Yeah, sure. So like, you know, we've worked with, you know, one of our clients is a Pilates instructor business. So he teaches other people how to become Pilates instructors. And we took him, you know, from just struggling and doing about 200K a year. Um, and now he's on, tra- he'll do about $3 million this year. So we, we work with anyone from, you know, small to medium sized businesses. One of our clients is, you know, the biggest home builder out here in Australia, mm-hmm. um, you know, a billion, a billion plus company um, and it's really anything in between so really every day no day is the same because we're always working on completely different projects yeah. um, we took took another property property client um, you know to 50 million dollars in their first three months with us so it, it, it's kind of crazy the results that you can have when you you hit something that works and you can scale it quickly uh, what did you say <laughs> yeah we, we, we we took we took a client in a very niche um, property market uh, where he was he was selling houses to a specific demographic of people, mm. um, and we literally built him a landing page and a basic funnel along that, and took him from zero to fifty million dollars in mm. under three months. <laughs> That's insane. So, and your your compensation structure is is a bit unique because I think that you know what what makes your your company interesting is you do work with. Some of the bigger brands, right? But but you also said that you know you get people like this Pilates instructor at two hundred k a year, maybe twenty k a month, right? Who typically couldn't afford to be able to to hire a, a company of, of your stature? I mean, in terms of what it is that you guys do, a normal small business owner like that couldn't couldn't afford your services, and yet. Talk a little bit about the the structure that makes you unique and allows people like this Pilates instructor to afford you. Sure. And I guess the way that we look at it is, you know, we want to be able to work with businesses that are also smaller, you know, from the get go, you still need to have a bit of money to obviously fork out on marketing. But that particular client, you know, he started with us with basically just a landing page, Um, you know, and he he spent a couple of thousand dollars on his landing page with us. And, you know, we were, he, he was getting existing traffic to his website and we built him this landing page and literally, you know, within a week, his leads doubled and then we you know we basically take that additional revenue that we're creating for that business to further reinvest it in growing the business and we make that very clear with our clients from the get-go like mm-hmm. our whole goal with you is to basically start you on something small generate you some immediate cash flow and then take that excess cash flow and throw it back into growing this business mm-hmm. so we can work together long term on something that's more mutually beneficial. And is that contractually structured? Is there a contractual obligation there so that you do, because again, out of the gate, you don't get the compensation that you, you might normally want to do this sort of work for someone, but over the long term, you get paid that much and, and potentially much more. So is that a contractual obligation then? How, do, how does that structure, how do you structure it? Yeah, look, it's it, it, it's not. It's not like we, we, we don't basically rope them in and say, okay, you know, once you do this, you've got to invest this and we're going to put that down in writing. It's more so just like an understanding. So for instance, you know, on a landing page, you know, project, we're not going to... 
that's just what we charge, but it's just a, a much smaller project. Ultimately for us, we want to be, you know, building you a landing page and a sales funnel and a website and then, you know, handling all your different traffic channels from Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and YouTube. But we, we obviously have to build that trust in the beginning. So mm-hmm. typically what we do say is let's just start on a small project, but we want to be clear straight out the gate that like our goal and our intentions is to fully have you paying X amount within the next, you know, six months. Yeah. So just so it's not like they don't feel like you're shaking the money tree when you go back to them <laughs> in, in, in four to six months and you're like, hey, you need to start spending this kind of money to really ramp this up. It's already you've planted that seed and they're expecting it. Mm-hmm. So and this kind of goes hand in hand with Steve's question, just a slightly different. Most of the guests we've had on the show, they really have this singularity of focus of their perfect client also. So it sounds like you have singularity of focus of what you do for the clients, but how do you pick the client? Because I mean, it's just, there's got to be some recipe like they had, you know, you see an it factor or they had a certain amount of social media following or something has to be there because I can't picture you just anyone who says, yeah, I want marketing service, uh, start with the landing page and I'll, you know, split some profits with you later. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So we're very, very clear. Like, so our dream buyer is basically someone that kind of sells high ticket products or services where the lifetime value of that client is greater than three thousand mm. dollars. Um, so that's and that that and also that's that's one criteria. And the other criteria is that entrepreneur or that founder of that business has to have a hunger to grow. And you know, while that might sound a little bit ridiculous, um, it's actually crazy the amount of people that. That, you know, you can partner with sometimes and, you know, things are doing very, very well and like, okay, the leads are coming in and then you're like, okay, excellent. We want to keep scaling your ad spend and get you more leads coming in. And they say, well, then I'm going to need to hire more people. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, well, that, that's the aim of the game here, right? We're here to help you scale this business up. Um, and so, you know, and, and, and while that might sound... That's not everybody's ambition to scale and grow a $10 million business. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. for us, it's really you know businesses that, that have a lifetime value of their clients that are greater than $3,000 and also you know have hunger to grow that thing. And they're in the car, it's moving, and they simply want to go faster. Yeah. So let, let's take it a, a couple steps back. And you know, there's, there's so much that we want to ask you here about what you're doing presently. But I think it's important for folks to understand that you know, you're very good at what you do and you're, you're now applying this to, to this business, but you've been in this game for, well, for quite some time. So just take us back for a minute. So people understand your, your background, because I want, I want folks to really get a sense of, uh, of where you came from before you open the doors here on King Kong. Yeah, sure. No problems. Well, look, you know, I, I got my start when I was 16 years old um, and I was doing like direct selling, telemarketing and whatnot. Um, and I, I, I failed miserably at that. I absolutely sucked in the beginning. Um, and then, you know, it was pretty much uh, the business that I was working at at the time when I was 16. It was kind of my first full time gig. Um, the, the the business owner was like, look, I see something in you, even though you're doing terribly right now, you know, I'm going to give you another week. Um, and I don't know whether it was a combination of like him believing in me or like me just being backed in the corner, but something kind of snapped. Um, and literally the next day when I walked in, like I just approached the sales game as a completely different beast. Um, and I literally became their top salesperson overnight. And, you know, I was very successful there and I went on to kind of, you know, travel around the UK 
and a, a bit in the States selling. And I was the best salesperson at, at every company that I ever worked. Um, and then kind of after spending two or three years abroad, I came back to Australia I went to university and I had a part-time job where I was actually selling Google AdWords for a company. And the business said to me, um, one of the people prospects that I was pitching was like, yeah, I don't want to do Google AdWords. I want to be up on that left-hand side of the page. I want to do SEO. And me being like the ambitious salesperson that I was simply said, yeah, look, we can help you with that got off the phone, went over and spoke to my manager and, and, and basically told them that I just sold SEO. And they said, well, look, that's not a service that we offer, so you better go and figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and figure that out I did. Um, and I really, that was kind of what the rabbit hole was that I fell down into kind of digital marketing and I really kind of learned the ropes on SEO. Um, and then it was like, you know, about after it was, I was doing a summer break over university, and I thought, look, I can pro- pro- I can run this business better than this person. Like I, I know that I had to sell it. You know, I think that I can execute on this better than they are. Um, so I started my business, um, you know, my first business from from my bedroom, and I was kind of cold calling to get clients. And by the time university came around to to kind of start doing university again, I had a sizable business on my hands. And I thought, like, why go back to university? and learn about how to do business when I already have a business. Mm. Um, And I had a business partner in that business. I ran it for about 18 months. I got it up to a million plus in revenue. We had a team of about 16 people. Um, And then I had the opportunity to sell that business, which I did. Um, And then I did, I've I've run a couple of businesses. I've exited a few. I've run a couple into the ground. Um, I've done joint ventures with like the AFL football clubs, which is the equivalent to the NFL out here in Australia. and, and basically, with all of those businesses, I was always kind of, you know, tasked with the issue of how do we get more clients? And that was always the co- cornerstone of like what my tasks were in those businesses. Um, and it, it, it had been some time and I saw that it was just still no one executing and solving that fundamental problem for businesses. Um, and that's what kind of led me to start King Kong, you know, just over four and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. So let's go back then to to the start of King Kong. So it's just you, you're solo, you've got no partner, you just feel like, hey, there, there's a way to do this better than what other folks are doing. I mean, so much of this is design-driven. I'm just trying to understand, like, how how did you even get this thing off the ground? Did you take in outside capital? Like, give, give us a sense of, of when you said, all right, fine, line in the sand, I'm going to start this business. How, what, what did that look like? Sure. So basically from doing like, you know, uh, from selling my first business and then running a few other businesses and running some into the ground, I had kind of used any capital that I had saved up, right? And I'd recently gotten married um, and I was literally at ground zero. You know what I mean? I call it as Sun Tzu says called death ground, like you've got to make it work. So I was working out of my bedroom. Um, I loaded up, like I kind of made the decision, okay, cool. I'm going to go and execute on this. I gave myself three weeks to get the website done to build like a proposal PDF that I could send to prospects. And I said, on this date, I'm going to start cold calling. Um, and then basically I loaded $50 into my VoIP account on, you know, used a, a computer that my girlfriend had bought me and put on a headset. And I started basically cold calling 150 businesses a day, um, you know, desperately searching to get my first few clients. Mm-hmm. And, and what I, did, I, I, let, hold on, I want to just stop you right there. So what did that pitch sound like? What did you, what were you going to be selling? And, and by the way, kudos to you. I mean, I, 
look, as, as has been said before, revenue solves all problems, right? I mean, and so, you know, the fact of the matter is that there are so many businesses out there that struggle to get to six figures, let alone seven or eight or beyond, because they're just not willing to knock on enough doors. I mean, you were willing to knock on, well, figuratively speaking, you're willing to knock on by calling 150 doors a day until you got to what it was that you, you know, you envisioned for yourself in terms of getting some clients. And I don't know what your initial revenue goal was, but uh, I'm just more curious about what it was that you actually said to them. What were you selling? Yeah, sure. So I was calling businesses that were running Google AdWords that weren't ranking on the organic side of of, of Google on the left hand side of the page. Oh, so and, and hold on, hold on. So I don't want this. I don't want this. Let's not gloss over that. So what you're saying is, if you go to Google and you type in the word like I don't know, give me an example of a word, Richie. Just uh, fish. Right? You yeah. sell you sell fish, right? <laughs> so something you know, Richie's in e-commerce and all that. So you type in the word fish. So the organic results are on the left side, and then the ads for fish would be on the right side. So you're saying if they had an ad on the right side in terms of the Google AdWord placement, then buying that space, but they weren't coming up in the listings, those are the people you would target? 100%. Okay. Yeah, and they come up on top now too by the way, Steve. Yeah, your they, fish they, company? They, they used to come up on the right, and now they come up oh, on top. You're tar- okay, yeah, the they ads. Come up, yeah, the ads. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing is you did what you did at your first job. You, you're selling. So your first job, I'm going to back up for a quick second here. You got hit from both sides. Some people say you, inspiration or desperation gets you moving. He kind of gave you both. He inspired you. Oh, the first by boss. Saying, the first boss by yeah. saying, I'm going to give you a week more, right? And then, but you, you only got a week. Right. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got hit from both ends, inspiration and 100%. desperation. So that was kind of cool. Then second, when you go on, you move forward and now you saw a service that was needed and you sold it before you could even provide the service. So now we're already seeing your personality start to come out. But you knew you could do that and you were willing to. Right. And then you went and learned that service. Now you probably I'm, I'm now it starts to turn into a question for you. That's when the birth was, there's something that they're missing. They're only focusing on the ads. We can always sell the ads because people are asking for the ads, but people are going to be searching for this stuff, and no one's really serving them well when it comes to SEO. So now when you got your list of these people to call, you were doing the very thing you did back at that first job. Not Correct. first job, but the second when, when yeah. you, you started selling that service. Yeah. So... How did you tell them what the package was going to look like? Because you also know you've been doing it long enough. SEO takes a while. So you're one person at this time making Mm -hmm. phone calls. And unlike ads where you can show up right away the next day. How do you sell the intangible? How do you sell this intangible (laughs) so quickly? Yeah, good question. Yeah, sure. So basically, I guess what I was doing is that, you know, these people already knew that Google worked for their business, right? They were already spending their hard-earned dollars on ads and, 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 you know, generally getting a result. That's why their ads were still popping up. Um, And essentially, what I was telling them is that, you know, no matter how good 
that you go with your Google ads, you know, only 10 to 20% of the people that use Google ever click on the ads. So you're still missing out on 80% of the traffic. So right now it's like you're on just like a side street on Google. And what we want to try to do is help you get on the main street of Google. Now in saying that, this is not something that's going to happen overnight. Like it's going to be six months before you see any real tangible results because we're going to need to convince Google that your website is the most pertinent and the most popular website pertaining to those keywords that we're going to target for. So it's the most valuable real estate in the world mm -hmm. to be in those organic listings on Google. You already know that Google AdWords works for your business. And instead of you paying three, four, five, ten dollars a click, we can get you that, that traffic for far less cost and we can get you a lot more of it. Mm -hmm. Well, and plus you're savvy enough too that I'm sure part of it was, oh, and by the way, if you turn off your ad spend, you just turned off all your leads. Whereas if you have SEO and you turn off, you know, it'll still last for a while. You want to keep doing it, but it'll last for a lot longer than if you turn off your ads. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. so, let, so let me ask you this then. The, so the first, the, the 150 calls a day as you've described it, this, and just so I'm clear here, this was the embryonic stage then of what has become King Kong. This is where you started and how long ago was that? Yeah, so that was I, that was four and a half years ago, and that was without yeah the, the embry embryonic stages. I was making 150 cold calls by day, and I was optimizing by night. I was pulling around 18-hour days, um, and you know it was heavy going. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's like I was literally having to to sell, bring on clients in order to put food on my plate the next the next day, essentially. And what were you um, charging? What were you charging for those packages at that point? At that point, I think that that was starting from as low as like 500 bucks a month. 500 a month to get him to rank on SEO. Okay. And so at this point, it was obviously just you. Your girlfriend bought you this computer. You're working out of the bedroom. What? Give, give us a sense of, of the growth of that business. What happened next? Sure. So I did that. Um, you know, I had my first few client. I had my first client in the first week, um, and then I had a little board in my bedroom that every client that I would get, I would, I would you know pin a number up on that board. And I did that for for the first year. I was cold calling heavy duty for the first year, um, and then you know I was optimizing by night. And then at, at that stage, I was just like, look, I I need to get some help. I had a few contractors working for me. Um, I brought my wife in to come and help me as well. Um, and basically, I, I, I would use all – I had different accents for, for make-believe people that were working at my company <laughs> when people would call in um, because it was just me. And then I did that you know, in, in, and built that business up to you know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars in revenue in the first year, and I was making good money at that stage. Mm -hmm. um, until the, the to the point I could start, I wanted to I always said, okay, cool, I'm going to keep calling until I get enough money to actually invest it in marketing where I'm not doing all of this stuff, you know, myself and I'm not making 150 cold calls. And then the turning point was really at about the year mark, I had a client a prospective client that was ready to sign, ready to come on board. It was like a $30,000 website and a really good SEO package. And he said, okay, that all sounds great, Subri. I just want to come into your office and meet you. Mm. 
And then it was like crickets. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was like at this stage, you know, I obviously had the facade that I had an office and a team and things like that because that's what people needed. They're not going to give them money to a kid calling from their bedroom. Um, and then I said, well, that's just not really the way that we do business. We've got clients all around the country, all around the world. Um, so typically, we, you know, we don't do that. And they're like, I just don't understand. You know, I don't understand why I can't come in and meet you. And I lost that deal as a result of that. And yeah. then I knew that there was a moment there where I was like, Okay, well, what are you doing, Subri? Like, it's time to just to kind of man up, get an office, and either decide, like, is this something you're going to keep as like a lifestyle business where you're earning great money, or what is it that you really want? Do you know what I mean? And that was like another crossroad because, you know, in the beginning, it was, yeah, like, you know, you want to, you have to get something going to get some money coming in the door. Um, but you don't really think about the big picture so much. It's just like, I need to get client on the board. I need to get clients in, in the door. But then at that one year mark, it was like, okay, what are you going to do? Um, and then I decided, yeah, look, I, I definitely want to build something that's a lot bigger than me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I don't want this to be the Subri show. I want to build an agency. Um, and then, you know, we went out and, and, and I got my first office, which was a huge, huge um, risk for me at the time. Um, and then were you, you know, hold on, slow down, slow down, slow down. So, so were you, were you cash flowing at the time? I mean, what, if I'm doing the math here, if you're charging 500 bucks per month per client, then ostensibly you had 30-ish clients at 500 bucks a month to get to your 200k run rate so something something right around that and that was that was let me just make sure I'm clear on this so you were able you had a few contractors uh, they were part time they were 1099 I mean or I'm not sure what they call it in Australia but they were independent contractors they were not on your payroll but these were people that you brought in to help service the 30 odd clients so do i have those numbers generally right yeah generally speaking okay and so and at that point you had this call you know it's the question of okay now do we continue with a a lifestyle business or do we create a a quote-unquote real business and for you what what was the driving factor then of shifting to a real business, so to speak, with an office and employees. And, and I mean, did you, was it a money thing? Did you just want to put more money in the bank? Was it an ego thing? Did you want to, you know, have something you could show folks? Like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, why make the leap? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think the thing that drives me and the thing that really kind of, you know, sparked that decision is like, okay, this is where you're operating now. Do you know what I mean? Like, forget about money, forget about ego, forget all those other things. Like, what is your potential and are you living up to it? And that was really like, you know, that's the thing that keeps driving me every day is this like, what is my potential? And it's really that gap of where I am now and what I believe my potential is that kind of motivates me and gets me up with a fire in my belly every morning Mm -hmm. to kind of go out there and execute and that's really what it was like I at that stage you know I I didn't have 30 clients I had around 70 clients and you know I had the systems pretty dialed in and it was somewhat autopilot you know do you know I mean I had I had Mm -hmm. clients coming in I had contractors doing the work and it was like okay well like this is not a challenge anymore. So what does that next level look like? What is it that your, you know, your, your potential, what, what are you capable of doing? Um, and I had to really get real with myself for a moment and go, well, it's actually a lot more than what you're doing right now. It, it almost sounds like once again, it was inspiration and desperation at the same time. You were inspired by what you were capable of, but it was also not desperation as in you're worried, but you just lost 
what was almost your monthly revenues in one deal because you didn't have this office. So it was a bit of like, if I'm going to grow into this new thing that you knew you could become, I can't do it from my bedroom anymore. I have to, you know, some people, not like white man can't jump or whatever, where you got (laughs) to look better than what you are. But, but, uh, but it's like, you, you had to put the facade's not the right word, but let's just say that right now. You had to put, here's the office, here's what we work out of. Whether all the people were actually in the office or not, that's a whole other story. Yeah, if you wanted to scale. But if you wanted to scale, you had to play that game now. Mm-hmm. And so um, a quick question. I, I noticed you were saying that you were hiring people to take on the services side and then at what point did you realize, wow, the, the very service that I provide to my clients is what I need to do for myself, right? So you didn't have to do those phone calls anymore. Yeah, sure. And that's, that, that, that is a great question. So basically, at, at, at the time, what I was doing is, you know, I was, you know, learning the ropes. I was, you know, becoming a, a very deep student of online marketing and growth marketing and all, all the things to do with business as you go along that entrepreneurial journey, right? Um, and what I found is that like a lot of the stuff, whether it was blog posters I was reading or courses that I was buying from the quote unquote gurus out there um, wasn't working. And it was basically leaving me like, you know, broke, so to speak, because every time I'd fork out money, that money would just disappear and it wouldn't come back. And then I was like, okay. And then I started to really research deep into the people that were actually teaching these strategies and realized that none of them really had like a real business. They were all just like online information publishers that were talking about this stuff, but didn't really have any been there and done their experience. And then I was like, okay, well, then how about I just apply, you know, what I've learned in in direct face-to-face selling and actually apply that to advertising, do you know what I mean? And just use what I know works. And at the time, you know, I'd saved up enough money and I actually thought, look, cost per click on Google in my space is just too competitive. It's like 36 bucks a click. Um, and it was just outrageously expensive and I couldn't see my budget going very far in my specific industry. Mm-hmm. And I, I had, you know, I had an opportunity to run a radio ad and I thought, okay, cool. This is not digital marketing at all. It's a completely different medium. Um, however, you know, I, I also subscribe to the philosophy of like the few, the fishing is best where the fewest go. And in my space, there was no digital marketing companies that were advertising on radio. And I could barter mm. with that salesperson to get a discounted rate, which mm. I did. And then I forked a bunch of money into there. And I basically took a compressed version of my pitch that I would be doing on the telephone. And I ran that as a radio ad. Mm. And I never forget, I booked in the spot put the radio ad in there. Um, you know, the, the, the spots were starting at 5 a.m. to catch people kind of commuting and stuff like that. And then I just saw the, the, the first lead came in and then the second lead came in and then they just started pouring in and I was getting hundreds and hundreds of leads coming in to my business. Um, and then I really just took all of that additional revenue and then I started doing, you know, SEO for my business and I started doing Google AdWords and I used that extra cash flow to invest it in other assets that would produce more revenue for my business. And for me, that was really where, you know, there was a tipping point and things dramatically changed. 
changed because I was yeah. going from making 150 cold calls a day to creating ads that were basically doing the equivalent of going and, and calling on 150,000 people in a day. What? So one of the things I love about that is Steve talks about this quite a lot is you got to speak in the vernacular of the pain of the audience. So everyone else is afraid of doing radio, especially when it's on the decline, but it was doing something right. There's still billions of dollars in advertising in it. And yet the, if, if I would love to hear a little sample of what that commercial was, because you could actually be hitting the exact market that you need because they know they're supposed to get into digital, but they're not there yet. And they're mm-hmm. still on the radio. Right. So yeah, exactly. What, what, what was an example? Just a quick if, if you could think of like what was the 30 second ad you ran? Yeah, let me let, let you put me on the spot, but let me think if I can think of the start of it. It was like it, it went like attention business owners. Thousands of potential clients are on the Internet right now searching for a product or service like yours. Um, and then it just went into basically about Google and talking. about. So I was calling out business owners as the audience. Yeah. Um, and then I was obviously saying that there's thousands of clients online right now searching for a product or service like yours. Yeah. Who will they find you or your competitors? And then it basically just went into educating them about all of the different things around, you know, that these people are online, everybody's moving online. Um, and then I invited them to come and download a free report about how they could get their business on the first page of Google. Oh, just brilliant, dude. Brilliant. Let me Simple. ask you. He's Steve's writing out his radio <laughs> ad right now. <laughs> I, just, I just wrote the radio ad. I can hear it right now for podcasting. Oh, man. So let, let me ask you this. And this is where the leap uh, of faith kind of comes in. First and foremost, you didn't raise any outside capital, correct? I raised nothing. It was just all sweat equity. I had 50 bucks, and I just cash rolled the business. Awesome. All right, so never raised a dime of outside capital. Your first hire, your first full-time hire, when you decided to move out of this lifestyle versus you know the idea of creating a quote-unquote real business, you had to have a first hire. Who was, uh, not name and background, but what was your first hire, and the what position. did you pay him? Right. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So I moved in, like we rewind a little bit. I moved into this office. It was just me and my wife sitting in this office um, and it was empty. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I remember I had, the, I, I basically said, okay, I've got all these leads coming in now. I want you to paint the picture though of what you did. So you had a vision for what you wanted the company to become. Did you move into a space that you knew was too big for what, like, is it a, is it a, is it a, like a 10 by 10 office with you and your wife or what did you – I just want to know how far you, you dove in at that point. Okay. Yeah, sure. So basically it was a 125-square-meter office, okay. so enough yeah. for about 13 people or so. Yeah. Um, and, and the office was like on a shop front. Like there was a shop front with glass out the front, and then there was a petition wall in the middle, and then it was like a back. Wow. Um, and, I, and so basically the reason that I go into those details is that was like a conscious decision because I knew clients would walk in mm-hmm. and they'd literally just see me and my wife sitting here they like, what is going on here? Like, where are all the people that are basically doing the work? Mm-hmm. Um, and at this stage, I could say, yeah, we've got a few guys out the back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I actually did put my first hire out the back. So that wasn't, you know, it wasn't a lie or anything like that. Um, you know, and so then I, I, I had all these leads coming in. Um, I was obviously, you know, very leveraged in terms of I, I'd committed to a much bigger office space than I needed, but I knew that that was what I was going to need if I was going to be, be living up to my potential. Mm-hmm. And so I hired my first sales guy. 
So your uh, so a salesperson was your first official hire. Correct. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm big on like always doing like the 80-20 analysis. And I was seeing that I was spending 80% of my time on, on being on the telephone. So like I needed to get people in to help me leverage that and, and to help kind of make myself, you know, somewhat redundant in that role and have somebody do a lot of that selling. But even when they did come on board, I was training them up. I was still selling over the phone and then they didn't work out. Okay, then they, they quit. And then I hired another salesperson and then they didn't work out. And then I hired another salesperson and then the third salesperson worked out. Um, mm. and, and then from there, I, I got a, a second salesperson and then I got a dev person to start doing the work in-house and then basically scaled it up to, to about 10 team members in that first year that I had the office. Um, and then, you know, we went from 10 to 30 and right now we're at 54. Yeah, and you're not in that same space anymore, are you? <laughs> we are not. Yeah, so yeah. We, we've actually we, we, we've moved offices twice, and every office that we've moved into, we've outgrown it within the lease period. Mm-hmm. So were you firing pretty fast? Because you can only, if the first two didn't work out and they were taking over, you know, your 80%, like how quick was this turnover? Yeah, I was still selling at the time, so I, I was just getting help on board to help with the selling. Um, but these guys lasted anywhere from like four, four to eight weeks, really. And I was just, you know, some of them would last for two weeks. Some of them would come in for training. You'd train them up. You know, things were going well, and then they'd disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other guys just wouldn't work out. I had to let go of, of, of two of the guys because they couldn't sell. Um, and then basically, yeah, you get that. And then at that stage, right, you've gotten this office. You're thinking, can anybody else really do this other than me? And it's not a proven model at that stage. And then you get that third, um, that, you know, when you have that person and it works out, that's when, like, you see it's like a sparkle in your eye of you see what is possible. Do you know what I mean? You see, okay, mm-hmm. I can this you know what i mean because th- this is working now and then you use that momentum and then you, the second person and then the second person can see that the first person is doing it and then it all becomes real yeah and then you get energy between it and then the things start to to really gel so l- let me just uh, i want to make sure i'm clear on this when you hired your first salesperson this is one of the questions that i know uh many of our folks listening have right now i mean how did you structure that did you structure that with upside was it was it base plus was it just straight commission how did you structure your initial uh contracts with your sales team yeah it was it was a base um and then they they got commission based on what they sell as an accelerated commission structure you Mm -hmm. know the better they did the more money that they got paid um Mm -hmm. essentially um and that's yeah that's pretty much it yeah so what, what's the vision around this for you? You've obviously grown it now to 50-odd team members, and we can get into some of the discussion around what you're going to have to do differently now that you're you know, really at scale versus just with a, a, like a handful of people working with you. But we'll, we'll get into that in a second here. But I want to understand what your vision is for this. Is this a, is this a build and sell? Um, no, well, look, basically, this is, you know, it, it is like a legacy play for me. Um, you know, it, it comes down to, for me, I want to build the biggest and the best digital direct response marketing agency in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of what we're at task. We're the fastest and we're the, you know, the, the fastest and the best digital agency here in Australia. Um, we're starting to get, you know, a lot of attention out, out, out of the US. But yeah, my, my goal is certainly, it has been from, from the moment that I made 
the decision of kind of living up to my potential is really, you know, when I made that decision, it was like, okay, cool. This is not going to be, you know, a business that you're going to get complacent with and just kind of coast along and build, you know, a lifestyle business. This is something that like I'm here to scale up and just keep leveling up and pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Mm-hmm. And, and so let's talk about um, kind of the numbers behind the numbers, if you will. If you're slated to do 15 this year, are you pocketing any of that? Are, are you reinvesting into the business? What What is your goal in terms of personal income around this business? Yeah, look, I, I live off a very modest income. Do you know what I mean? Right now, all the money that I basically get, it's like when you're growing a business, like it really is, you know, on one end of the compass is growth and on the other opposite end is profit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, while, you know, a consultancy business is a very cash flow and a very highly profitable business, if you want it to be that way, and I could have stayed in my bedroom, you know, making great amounts of profit. It, um, without kind of grow it. So right now, my my whole thing is growth. So I'm really investing everything back into the business to scale this thing up and to, to grow faster. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. cash is really like the, the petrol that you throw on the fire for growth. And that's really where my focus is on right now. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, I mean, do you have a sense of what EBITDA will be this year? Or I just want to get into a little bit more of the the Let's just call it the granular details around the profitability insofar as what running a $15 million agency looks like. Do you, do you have a sense of, uh, of where profitability is? Yeah, like for me, like when you're looking at it, like I'm throwing all, like you know, the majority of those profits straight back into the business. Typically, for service-based businesses like that that we operate, you're, you're typically looking at around 35 to 40 percent margins. Sure. Yeah, and I mean that would that would certainly make sense. And you've got, I mean, just at 100k, let's just call it 100k per employee. I mean, you've got. Do you have about a five million dollar payroll then at this point? Somewhere in somewhere in there. It's less than that. It's less than that. Okay, and yeah. so the cost then to to get you to the 30 odd percent, you've got to have some pretty heavy cost of goods. Is that because of the designers? Is that because of uh, where is the cost of goods coming from? Where are the other expenses coming from? Yeah, look, at the end of the day, like, it's humans that execute on this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you, we've got a full team of copywriters, designers. We've got salespeople. We've got project managers. There's account managers, accounts, HR, operations managers. So there's yeah. a lot that goes behind running a business like like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, the cost of goods for us is our people. Do you know what I mean? We're not yeah. selling mattresses or furniture or anything like that. Like, it's a service-based business so you know typically in that environment like the largest cost factor on that balance sheet is always going to be like you know the payroll essentially of your people Mm -hmm. um and and, and growing that people um and that's something that you know we don't cut corners on do you know what i mean like for me it really is my team first i don't call them employees it's my team first um and clients seconds because if i don't look after my team then they're not going to look after my clients Mm -hmm. so you know culture's been a massive thing for us in order to kind of get to the scale of, of where we're at um, and in really investing in the team. Mm-hmm. No, I totally, totally get that. So let me ask you this. I mean, taking the business from the bedroom to a few hundred grand to a million dollars in the original, I mean, I assume you probably, I, mean, I don't want to make this assumption. Let me ask you this. I, just number-wise, in that small first 125 square meter facility, I, I mean, 
mean, I assume you were able to get to about a million dollars in revenue. Is that about right in yeah. the first facility? Yeah, yeah, we, we got yeah more of that, more than that. I think it was around two or three mil. Two or three. That's yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it really is amazing per square foot when you come right down to it. So, but to grow the business, what did you have to do differently? to get from the million dollars to the $10 million. So what, what's changed for you? Sure. So in, you know, in order to, to get to that million dollars, it was really kind of me like dragging the business, kicking and screaming to get it to that point. Mm-hmm. It was me making 150 cold calls a day, you know, working like a dog, doing all the optimization by night, it was like, you know, it was a tough gig, right? Very tough gig to get to that point. Um, and then, you know, really, I think what, what changed to go from that kind of $1 million to $10 million mark is you really need to move from being like an operator and being in the trenches on the front lines, doing the sales calls, sending out the proposals, optimizing, you know, having a book of clients that you're looking on. And you really need to become, you know, like a proper, like, you know, operator and a business builder that's going to take this thing and build it to be a lot bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and the key word is really leverage. Do you know what I mean? Like, especially in a service-based business. And for me, it was about building systems and about building processes. And that was on two arms of the business. One arm for me was, okay, I need to create like a predictable system that would bring in leads that would be like appointments with highly qualified businesses and prospects who we could genuinely help for my salespeople to have really meaningful conversations with and then convert them into high paying clients. And that was a model that I have just been like obsessed with, right? With building out a sales funnels that would attract people and then educate them and get them to the point where they're ready to reach out and have a conversation with us and then actually part with their hard earned money and become a client and then that, that that's kind of like the sales component, which, which for me, that is the tip of the sphere. You know, sales trumps all. You need to know how to sell your services. But then on the other side of that is how do also we create those processes and systems to deliver on, on, on all of our promises and get our clients outstanding results. Because, you know, just being a good salesperson is, is great, but you need to have a great product and a great service that actually delivers on all the promises that you make. Mm-hmm. And then, so for me, it was like going like and really building out these processes from, you know, how do we generate leads and generate clients and then from when a client comes on board what does that onboarding process looks like how do those kpis in place look like for us to get our clients these results that we're promising um and and really leverage this up and create a system that's a lot bigger than than myself and you know just doesn't rely on having really skilled you know, team members to execute on the day-to-day operations, but more so a system that you can put a client through and it basically delivers an outcome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that quick question, it kind of goes part of what you just said when it was talking about leverage. So I've worked enough with the agencies and kind of have a small one of my own that I'm building out now that I see that you have to get the salesperson out of the process when you're building this system once they made the sale like yeah they can come back and touch but it seems like everything lives and dies by the project manager um, because they're the one who are ongoing communication with the client so I'd love to hear one just pause the answer on that because it also the second part of the question is um, 
at what point when you know that the lifetime value of the customer um, is really where you know in the money's in the back end, right? You just said making a more successful client. At what point did that structure change where you were where I'm you started to get a piece? Did I read between the lines? Did you ever start to get a piece of the company? Like back when we first started talking here, it sounded as if you might actually get a piece of like performance based profits. Yeah, no, that we, we've we've entered into those arrangements with you know a handful of clients. That's not our typical business model. That's certainly the model that that we're moving towards. Um, you know, as as the kind of demand gets even greater and greater for our services. But yeah, so I, I guess your, is, is your question around like about what what happens once that client comes on board? Yeah, it was kind of like in an agency that project manager role. It seems so underrated in the beginning, but you realize that is the critical piece because you can find technicians to do the stuff, right? You can you could out you, you could almost never hire an inside employee to do the technical stuff. I, I wouldn't recommend it, but you could. But to buy into your culture, to know what vision you're trying to build, and to get the sales guy off the phone so he can keep making new sales. That project manager is a critical piece of an agency model. And so it's really um, what did you do to keep them engaged? Because like, it's such a people piece. And you're saying talking about going into systems and processes. What did you put in place for that project manager that made that job easier for them, I guess, is the real way yeah, sure. So we've like, first of all, we've got like, and, and you're a hundred percent right. Do you know what I mean? We call them account managers and, and their role is very much a vital one in this because they're the one that's going to be dealing with the clients. And like I tell all my account managers, you know, basically the way that you want to look at with your clients is that you're like, you know, an external marketing manager and your sole job is to grow that client's business. Do you know what I mean? That's it. That's it, it at the end of the day. So the way that I incentivize them is is, you know, that we obviously renew our clients, they're building a book of clients, and then they get a percentage of the revenue that that client brings into our business. So not only are they obviously motivated by that, because they want to see their clients doing really well, so we have a very high retention rate, and then they get a piece of that upside. But also, that's kind of like, I guess, you know, some of the motivation behind it. But then in terms of actual tactical things that we do, I'll run through those now. Mm-hmm. So we've got like an internal dashboard where, you know, the clients get access to where it shows them all of their stats in real time from how much traffic that they're getting to the leads, what the cost per lead is, what the region that it's coming from or where the sales are coming from. And the client gets access to that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So if they have a burning question, they don't need to wait to get their monthly report in order for them to get the stats and see how things are going, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then in addition to that is... You you know, from when a client comes on board, we have like a whole onboarding procedure that's like an internal sales funnel that, you know, it assigns that client to an account manager. It sends them questionnaires that they need to fill out. There's educational videos that educates that prospect on, you know, unit economics and direct response marketing and getting their mind around, you know, growth marketing and how to scale. Um, and that's all a system that gets drip fed from the moment that they come on board. So I don't expect for a client to have a certain level of knowledge when they hire an agency like us and just say, okay, it's all up on that account manager to educate that person about all of these different aspects and components of digital marketing. No, I've built a system around that that supports that. Then in 
addition to that, we have something called King Kong Academy, which is an internal university that we have here mm. where it basically we could take you know, an average person off the street and turn them into a world-class digital marketer in like six months. And, you know, we're obviously not hiring people off the street. Mm-hmm. We're hiring people that have got experience, but then we're enrolling them in our King Kong Academy and really bringing them up to speed. So these guys are just weapons. They're just absolutely lethal marketers. that can really know how to grow this person's business. Yeah. Oh, it's really super smart, man. All right. Well, look, let's, let's, Let's do this. We're going to have to wrap here. I mean, we could talk to you all day long, man, and maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll even reach out to you because uh, Lord knows <laughs> we could benefit from your expertise. So, oh, man, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll be one of the next uh, King Kong success stories. But any uh, any final words, any final thoughts in terms of, uh, you know, if there's a entrepreneur out there who's got a, a five figure business and looking to get to six, seven or eight figures or somebody who's just looking to, to start. So anything on the start scale or exit front that you want to share before we wrap? Yeah, sure. So I think that, you know, a specific message for the people that, you know, maybe running like, you know, a five or a six figure business and want to scale up. I think the very first thing that you need to look at is be true to yourself and ask yourself, what is it that you want? What is it that you want out of life? And this really goes for even the people that are thinking about starting a business. When someone asks you the question of all, oh, like, what does the dream life look like to you? Most people can't say what it is because it's so big. It's so overwhelming question. What I like to do is I like to boil it down and have a look at what does the ideal day look like first? What time would you be waking up? What would you be going to the gym? Would you be having breakfast with your partner or would you catch up with your buddies in the afternoon? What does that dream day look like? And whatever that looks like, you want to basically build a business around it that supports that vision for yourself. Mm -hmm. And just know that if you're at six figures, and you're feeling like you're stuck or you've hit a plateau, like, you know, small hinges swing big doors. And if you want to get to eight figures, you can do it. You know, it's gonna, you're going to need to invest in yourself. It's going to be a lot of different skills that's required to take you from, you know, six to seven to eight figure businesses. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if that's what you want and that's what you believe that is your potential and, and that is what is possible, mm-hmm. do not give up on it and do not settle for what you have. Don't look at your peers. Don't think I'm doing well. This is fine. I'm just going to coast. You only get one life and you get one shot and just go for it. Yeah, man. Sabri Subi, really do appreciate you joining us here on Beyond Eight Figures. If you want more information about King Kong, go to kingkong.com.au and you can find out uh, much, much, much more there about Sabri Subi and King Kong. So really do appreciate you joining us here on Beyond Eight Figures, my man. And uh, Mary, Rich, you know, I, I mean, my God, right? You talk about the the consummate story of uh, of just staying the course and being clear and and knocking on a lot of doors. I mean, that, yeah. that is a common thread we hear Tenacity. over and over. Tenacity. You know, just so many folks want to grow their business and aren't willing to knock on that many doors. I mean, 150 calls a day. And I love the putting the numbers on the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like there's just, I don't know, there's something about that old school that real super old school, but something about that from a conscious and subconscious level of just putting the number on the board when you close the client. And this is how many active clients we have. That's like you said, inspire inspiring and, and, uh, and motivating and persevering. And at the same time, a little bit of desperation 
in all of that as well. Sabri Subi, really interesting stuff. All right, my friends, for Mary Goulet and Richie Ote and White Wade, I'm Steve Ulster. Talk to you next time here on Beyond Eight Figures. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Beyond Eight Figures. Share your thoughts on today's episode and what you'll apply to your business by emailing us at feedback at beyond8figures.com. And if you haven't already done so, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took a moment now to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Until next time, keep scaling.